You know, I was reading a, uh, an article um, recently that was wrapping up the year of 2021. And uh, it was like a year in review type of thing, right? And the author who was writing the article said that they surveyed a few people, uh, surveyed a bunch of uh, American people, and uh, there was a couple labels that the year 2021 was kind of put as. Uh, the first one was that the year 2021 was the year of streaming. In other words, they said that both adults and children have been watching more TV this year than any other year before. If this is you, can you raise your hand? Bad, bad, bad. Okay, yeah, that's fine, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put any guilt on you guys because, look, I'm guilty of this too. Uh, but I want you to know it's not my fault because Netflix has just been so good these days. You know, seriously, like once you watch Indian matchmaking, you just, you just can't help it. You have to keep on going. Um, the other thing is they said that uh, this year, 2021, uh, was considered the year of teleworking. Uh, the year of teleworking, right? It was, uh, they said that more Americans worked from home uh, this year than they had ever before. Uh, whether that was due to um, COVID, whether that was due to other things, they said that um, the apps now with like Skype and with Zoom uh, are so advanced, they've become a lot more advanced now because of uh, our need for telework. However, they also said that because people are working from home so much now, there are more Americans that are, shower that are showering less this year than ever before. If this is you, can you please raise your hand? Don't, don't raise your hand. You know? <laughs> don't raise your hand, all right? Um, yeah, I just want to say thank God for masks. Am I right? Amen. Thank God for social distancing. Uh, but at the end of the article, right, uh, it says that for most people, they would describe 2021 as the year of wariness. Uh, wariness because for them, COVID hasn't ended. Uh, a lot of them were saying this was the year of wariness because uh, they thought that this would be the year when everything goes back to normal, but it hasn't. They thought that this would be the year when they would be able to travel again, but there's still restrictions in place. This is the year of wariness because uh, hospital beds are still full. Um, the economic situation still isn't good. There's still so much sickness and so much pain in the year of 2021. And it seems like as we end this year, it's still not over. In fact, it seems like it's maybe just beginning again. You know, I don't know how tired you are, but I've been able to speak to uh, a few of you guys, and I know that there's many of us who are struggling. Uh, for some of us, it's been physically. For others, it's been emotionally. And for others, it's been spiritually. But as difficult as the situation may be around us, as hard as the, the circumstances are that are in front of our faces and in front of our families and in front of our friends, the one thing that I hope that we can do, the one thing that I'm here to do is to remind you that more than any of those things, our goal as Christians is to fixate our eyes upon Jesus Christ. The only thing that we can do is not to focus upon the wind and the waves that are around us, but to just focus our eyes upon our Lord Jesus Christ 
who is king over even the most difficult situations that are in your life today. Because what we believe is that Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. What we believe is that he is the creator of this world. And we believe that even in the most difficult times of your life, that he is not a God who is just off on the side, just doing whatever he's doing, but that he knows exactly the situation that you are going through and that he cares deeply for you and he is allowing those things to happen in your life in order to bring out his glory, in order to bring out your good. Amen? Yeah. You see, as we look upon this passage, it's a really famous passage um, of Jesus kind of calming the storm. But there are three things I want us to see uh, about who Jesus really is. The first is that he is Lord over the storm. The second is that he allows us to wait. And third is that he has given us faith. Okay? Each of these three characteristics, each of these three things teach us something about him and teach us something about us. See, first is that he is Lord over the storm. You know, one of the first things that Jesus does is he rebukes the storm. Verse 39, it says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You see, for the disciples, they were in the midst of the worst storm of their life. And what, when we read it in the Bible, all it says is that there was a great windstorm. But actually, when you read it in the original language, what you see is that it was called a megastorm or like a mega typhoon. And so this was not just a normal storm because what we know is that the disciples, they were all fishermen. They were all sailors. They knew what they were doing out on sea. But for them, they were terrified. And the reason why is because this was a storm unlike any other storm that they had ever experienced in their lives. Not only that, what we see is the, in the first verse of this passage is that they went out during evening time. And in the Bible, when it says that they went out during the evening, what that means is that they went out after sunset. And so these, these disciples, they were on this boat in the middle of the sea, being almost completely pitch black, and then also this huge megastorm approaches them. So, of course, they would be terrified. It was a storm. You see, during biblical times, I want you to know that there is no greater symbol of death and of destruction or of chaos than a storm. And even today, I think we can think of maybe like guns or bombs as being really dangerous. But what we also know is that it just takes one hurricane. It just takes one tornado. It just takes one earthquake to completely level a city. One typhoon can destroy an entire shoreline. We've seen that. We've experienced that in other parts of the world. Even recently within this past month, we know about that huge tornado that went through Kentucky, killing more people than any other natural disaster that has happened there before. It came without any warning. It came without any preparation. And it hit. See, in the Bible, there is no greater symbol of destructive chaos than the storm. But what we know is that Jesus is Lord of the storm. 
And what we see in this passage is that he looks upon the storm, he looks at the wind and the waves, and he says a single word, and it is still. There's a place in Psalm 29, and it says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning and twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. You see, what storms are meant to do are, is to represent our helplessness. Because we can prepare for war, we can prepare for a test, but how do you prepare for something that is unforeseeable? How do you prepare for cancer? How do you prepare for death? How do you prepare for sickness? We can't. And that's why storms are so frightening, is because in that moment, we feel so helpless. And so storms in that time are so great within our minds. They are so absolutely powerful. And so all we can do in that moment is hope that Jesus is going to be able to be greater than that storm. All we can do is hope and say, oh, God, I know this storm is really powerful in my life, but maybe, God, if you can help me out, can you just kind of cover it? Can you kind of just take it away from me? Can you just kind of help me in this moment? But I want you to know that in this passage and in the book of Psalms, what it says is that Jesus is Lord of the storm. And in that psalm that we just read too, what David is saying is he's not saying, look, the storm is great, but God, you are greater. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, look, the storm is going to strike me, but God, I pray that you would strike the storm harder. He doesn't say any of that. He says, the voice of the Lord strikes with lightning. The voice of God twists the oaks, and it tears the forest bare. The Bible is not just saying that God's power is greater than the power of nature. It's saying that the very power of nature is from God. The power of nature is on loan from the Lord. What the Bible is saying is that every single thing upon this world, the only reason why it is allowed to even exist, the only reason why it is allowed to even happen is because God has allowed it to happen. All the good things, God has allowed those things to happen to you. But even the bad things need to get permission from God to happen to us. That is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that storms come into our lives and it attacks us, and then God steps in later and then tries to cover it. No, no, no. God allows those things to happen for his glory and for our good. One of the greatest examples of this is in the book of Job. When we see a man named Job who is unlike any other man who is so faithful to the Lord. And yet in that time, the devil wants to tempt him. He wants to be able to hurt him. He wants to do all of these things. But the devil has to go to God first for permission to do that. The, God, the devil cannot work on his own. He must have permission. He must, have, he must ask for things from God first. And what that shows us is that whatever storms are in our lives, whatever difficulties we are experiencing, whatever thing that you are going through in this moment is allowed and ordained by God. Look, Jesus is saying here, when he says, peace, be still, he says, I am the Lord. Storms have power because of me. I am the Lord of the storm in your life. I am the king of the flood that is coming in you. In you. I am not only greater than the storm, I am the storm. And it is only here because I allowed it. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, therefore, my children, take refuge in me. 
because there is nothing in this world that will wipe you away. There's nothing in this world that will strip you, that will twist you, that will destroy you. In me and only me are you safe. I am the Lord of the storm. This is what Jesus is saying here. See, Jesus is Lord of the storm. But he is also the God who allows us to wait. See, in this story, Jesus, he doesn't just rebuke the storm. It says here, it's so interesting, he's, he sleeps within the storm. Verse 38 says, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? See, the disciples, they're in the greatest storm of their life. They are about to die. And so they go to Jesus asking him for help because they know that he is God, because they know that he is powerful. And what they see is that Jesus is sleeping. And they are so upset that they don't really, you can't really read it here, but when you read it in the original language, it says that they rebuke him. They get angry at God. They're upset at him because it seems like he does not care about them. You see, church, this is where the friction between our faith and our lives meet. Because what this tells us is that even in the middle of the storms within your life, God can seem like he is sleeping within them. He lets them come. He lets them rage. He lets the waters come up. God oftentimes in our lives seems like he is sleeping. You know, in Psalm 44, it says, we are facing death. We are like sheep to the slaughter. Awake, Lord, why are you sleeping? Oftentimes, God will seem to be asleep because God will let things come. He lets storms come, and he always lets it go longer than we want or think it should. God, he will not be hurried, and he does this for a reason. You see, church, in the Bible, spiritual maturity, being faithful in the Lord, is always explained as a process of taking one step at a time. I think many of us, as, even if we've grown up in the church, have this misunderstanding that, man, if you're a strong Christian, there is something that just clicked in your mind one day. That if you're a man of God or a woman of God, if you're a type of Proverbs 31 woman, or if you're a really wise type of guy who's like Moses or David or whoever, that maybe there's, like, there's something that happened in your life that all of a sudden it just kind of clicked for you, and now you're just, you're just this type of super Christian. But I want you to know, that the Bible never says that faith is that type of way. It never says that faith is some type of door, that if you get some type of secret knowledge, that if you get a certain type of experience, that that's when you're going to become faithful. No, no, no. The Bible never says that. What it says instead is that faith is like a path, that faith is like a journey. It's a long, patient journey of doing simple things day in and day out over a long period of time. And the Bible tells us that one of the ways that God builds our faith is through us waiting. That day by day, as we continue to wait upon the Lord, 
as we continue to hold upon his promises, as we continue to think upon what Jesus Christ has done in our lives, and we wait in expectation for all that he will do in the future, even if it hasn't happened at this moment, what that means is God is building our faith. You see, for a lot of us, we think of this sleeping Jesus as the opposite of the Lord who has rebuked the storm. But I want you to know that the Bible says that the sleeping Jesus and the rebuking Jesus is the same exact Jesus, that they are together. The Bible says that because Jesus Christ is Lord, because he has power over the storms, because he has power over all the things that are in your life, therefore you will have trouble. Therefore you will have difficulty. Therefore you will have storms. John 16.33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, being in trouble and him overcoming the world are not opposites. They work in tandem. Look, many of us think that if he is omnipotent, that if he is all-powerful, then, man, we wouldn't have any trouble on our own. That if he's sleeping, then he's not rebuking, or that if he's rebuking, then he's not sleeping. But I want you to know that you cannot put God in a box that way. That you, can, that you cannot anticipate the way that God will work in your life. That there are going to be times when there is a storm within your life and God will come down and he will be Lord over that storm and he will wipe it away with just one word. He will say, peace, be still, and the winds and the waves in your life will immediately go away. But there will also be times when a storm is in your life and you cry out to God and God will seem like he is sleeping. But don't fret. Don't worry. Because even in both situations, what we see here is that God is working. That he is building your faith. That he is in control of every situation. That the Jesus who is sleeping, he is still the creator of the wind and the waves. Do you realize why he was so restful? Do you realize why he could sleep? Because he was the one who created those winds. He was the one who created those waves. So of course he would be at peace. Those are his to begin with. And so church, whatever situation that you are in, big or small, know that God is working in your life to bring your good and to bring his glory. And lastly, what we see in this passage is that we have a Jesus who is questioning his disciples. In verse 40, it says, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Other translations put it, Jesus asked, where is your faith? You know, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is uh, a pastor I, I really respect, he's this Welsh, uh, famous Welsh pastor from a while ago, he wrote on this passage, and he says the question, this question here of where is your faith is key to how to trust in Jesus within the storms of your life. Because what Jesus doesn't say is he doesn't say you don't have any faith. Instead, he says, where is your faith? Jesus is saying, look, you have faith. So what you have to do in this moment is to get it out. What you are doing in this moment is that you have to implement it. What you're doing in this moment is that you have to plan for it. 
is that you have to be deliberate in your actions because you do have faith. Where is it? Take it out. Use it. See, church, what this means is that faith is not automatic. Faith is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not an impulse. I think too many of us have this misunderstanding that, man, well, if I had faith, then it should have just worked. If I was a faithful person, if I was a true Christian, then in this moment, I shouldn't be like this. I should be faithful. But because I don't have faith, I guess, you know what, God just hasn't blessed me with that type of faith. And so, you know what, I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to live it. But I want you to know that what we read here is that faith never accidentally occurs. It is a deliberate action that you and I must put into place. Jesus says here, you have it. Now is the time to use it. He looks at the disciples who are afraid, who are looking at the circumstances, and he says, where is your faith? Use it right now in this moment. You see, this is what it means to look at Jesus even in the storms. These disciples were being controlled by the storm. They would be controlled by the circumstances. They would be controlled by everything around them. And yet what Jesus is saying is, look, I want you to know where your faith is. I want you to fix your eyes upon me. I want you to know who I am, and I want you to concentrate on that. Stop looking at the people around you. Stop looking at the situation around you. Stop looking at how bad your life may be and start looking at me and the promises that I have promised you. Do you know why he was saying that to the disciples? Because chapters before this, they had been with Jesus, walking with him day by day. And they had seen all the miracles that he had done. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him bring sight to the blind. They had seen that every single word that he spoke came to truth. They saw all of these promises. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, Where is that faith that you had in me before? It's not just going to magically occur in one moment. You have to use it. And so remember all that I have done in your life. Remember my character. Remember my name. Remember who I am. And put it into action in this moment within this storm. Church, Christianity does not have any shortcuts. Faith is applying what you know to be true. For us, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that he came down to earth, he lived a perfect life, he died a sinner's death, and he physically rose again from the dead. We believe in those things. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We believe in him. If that is true for you, if you truly believe this, then in whatever storm that you are going through, whatever situation you are facing, you can always have hope. You can always have faith because you know that that is the Lord that you worship and he is the Lord over the storms. You see, in in Isaiah 9, what we see is that the Israelites were going through a terrible time. They had lost their hope. They had lost everything for them. They had king after king, nation after nation, just overtaking them and enslaving them. And they were weary, and they were tired, and they didn't know what to do. And in that moment, what we see is that God brings a prophet named Isaiah. And through Isaiah, what he does is he describes Jesus Christ. 
and he uses four characteristics of Jesus Christ, and he says, look, trust upon these four characteristics, that whatever trouble you're going through, whatever storm you're facing, I want you to trust upon these four characteristics. I want that to hold you through. He says, look, Jesus Christ is a wonderful counselor. He is your mighty God. He is your everlasting Father, and he is your Prince of Peace. And so I know that you may be losing hope today, but I want you to fix your eyes upon him. Fix your eyes upon his characteristics. Use your faith. Be deliberate in it and go forward. Church, we believe that he is our wonderful counselor. That in whatever dark spot you are going through, whatever difficulty you are facing, that God is able to give you wisdom, not because God has wisdom, but because he is wisdom. That God is able to lead you through whatever darkness you are going through. We believe he is a mighty God. That he is a God who created the heavens and the earth. That he created all the good things, but he has allowed all the bad things to happen for a reason. That the devil had to go to him for permission. That is the God that we worship today. That he is the Lord of the storms. He is a mighty God. He is our everlasting father. He is a father who loves and adores you. That every good and perfect gift comes from him. That even the gifts that your father gives you can't compare to the gifts that your heavenly father desires to give you. That he is a good father and that he loves you as his children. He is our everlasting father. And lastly, he is our prince of peace. That whatever situation that you are going through, you do not have to worry. You do not have to be anxious. For he is our prince of peace. And he can bring calm and rest to you no matter what situation you are in, no matter how weary you are, and no matter how tired you may be. Church, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is, a, is the Lord over the storms of your life. And lastly, I just want to finish with this. There's a couple things I want you to know as we move forward into 2022. First is that, look, when we apply this passage into our lives, is that Jesus, he told the disciples to get on the boat knowing that the storm was going to come. Jesus Christ knew that there was going to be this storm in place, and yet even with him knowing this, he decided to get on the boat, he decided to tell his disciples to get on the boat, and he decided to tell them to go towards that storm. God, he allows the waves to come. He allows the boats to look like they're about to sink. Do not let this surprise you. Do not let the trials and temptations and the hardships that are heading into 2022 phase you. Because Jesus knows that they are coming. And he is there ready for you to protect you and to guide you. Secondly, God, he will not be hurried. He doesn't have a timeline because, you see, our God can see from the very beginning to the very end. Our God is everlasting. And so if you believe in a God who created all things, who created the universe, who created the earth and the sky, who created time itself, then our goal, our hope is to only trust upon him and his own timing. And lastly, Jesus is asking us today, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You have it. You have it. It's time for you to use it. It will not accidentally happen. It's not something that is like a magical click. For you in this moment, if you call yourself a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, 
what that means is that you have to use it. Stop looking upon the storms or the circumstances around you. Now is the time to fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ and to say, God, I trust in your character. I trust in what you've done. I trust in the promises that you have given me, and I trust in you. So no matter what happens around me, I'm going to look upon you. So as we go into 2022, I hope that that can be our call, that can be our faith, and that can be our hope. Amen? Let's pray.